KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, this is Tom Biora. Thank you, Shay. For our guest today, please welcome Jeff Wilson, PhD, founder and president of Casita Home, based in Austin, Texas. Casita's core belief is that uh, every aspect of your living space should make your life simpler and fuller. Consequently, they've reinvented the home for the way people actually live, creating the ultimate user experience. And in essence, designing and engineering an exceptionally small home that contains everything you need and nothing you don't. Love it. For more information, you can visit www.casita.com. That's www.kasita.com. Hello, Jeff. We're excited and honored to have you on the Modern Architect Show today. Excited to get modern. <laughs> right, let's get modern. Well, I, I love it. Jeff, I'd like to start with something a little humorous. Is there anything that happened, you know, preferably professional, but um, that uh, that may have happened even on your way here to Stanford that might have been kind of a, a hoot to you? You know, something that, like, ah, I was driving over here and I ran across a squirrel and he... Pulled off my windshield wipe or something like that. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> something that was very interesting is out in front of the Stanford Business School here. Oh, really? There is okay. a uh, piece of art, a statue by a guy named Hosdi. And uh, I, I recognize the piece because there is also a piece by him called The Omphalos in the middle of Harvard Square. Ah. And I made this comment to the person standing there. And they said, uh, yeah, um, I'm sure ours is a, a <laughs> superior really? and a lot better. <laughs> no way. They did. <laughs> so they the, the rivalry lives on even no. through dead Greek <laughs> artists. <laughs> Okay, that, that that is definitely funny. Jeff, what what are some of your early inspirations for for Casita? I mean, start you can start with um, whether it's your childhood. If you look back on, hey, you know what, uh, your early inspirations could be something like, you know, one day when I was a kid, I saw this and I thought, hey, uh, one day I'll be doing this in my life. Or did you kind of fall in, no pun intended, into the the casita? Well, you know, some of this stuff you just don't realize till much later. And uh, a couple of things I think back to, I grew up in a small uh, farming village uh, west of San Antonio, Texas, uh, that my ancestors have been on since the 1850s. Um, They built, we actually have the original German log cabin from the 1850s. It's about 20 by 20. Um, made with ash juniper logs. So that's a small living space. Oh, yeah. uh, but built onto that, uh, you know, we, we had the whole upstairs, myself and my three sisters. Uh, two of them had to share a big room. Um, one of them had their own bedroom. And my bedroom, now going back and looking at it, was suspended above the staircase with zero privacy. And there was barely enough room to walk around a single bed. 
Um, so I guess that oh. sort of level of exposure and uh, just the size of that place, maybe maybe something got set into the deep brain at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me a bit about our story. I know we talked before we got on air about, you know, living in the dumpster for what, like a year or a little over a year? A year. Uh, a year to living. How, what? What the heck? What possessed what, yeah. you? What, 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 what do you want to do? We're not that? allowed to use curse words on public radio, I know, but I know can, what you're about be... to call me. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted to test the absolute limits of uh, small living spaces and sort of strip everything down to uh, its, 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 its bare bones. And... You know, by choice, right? There are okay. a lot of folks that, uh, you know, have their lives are stripped down to bare bones, but not by choice. So, you know, I, I said, okay, I'm going to sell off this 3,000 square foot house and uh, I'm going to sell everything in it for a dollar an item and I'm going to move into a used 33 square foot trash can. And the idea oh. is, uh, you know, to move to 1% the space that I had, but also try to get myself down to 1% the energy water okay. and just as a an experiment see what happens yeah so that went on for a year mm-hmm. what and, and uh, when was the discovery of casita is it something that popped in your head were you dreaming or did you, how did it come about how casita became yeah i mean came we, about you know the dumpster had several phases phase one was sort of roughing it if you will no electricity oh, uh, no water no insulation uh and then by phase two came around and i can tell you exactly august 4th uh 2014 it was about 132 degrees oh. in the dumpster that day and so we got a window unit air conditioner oh. Um, which brought it down to the mid-90s without (laughs) insulation. And uh, a few months after that, I was just lying in there one night and thinking about the things that had gone very well with the project and the things that had gone not so well. And I, you know, this idea popped into my head of why don't we make a home that is not designed and built like a house, but is designed and built like a product. So let's reframe how we look at the home um, as a product. Okay. I like that. So you had to get out of the box to get back in the box. So or yeah, have you ever I even started, been in the box? Yeah, I started, <laughs> yeah, I put myself in a box to get outside of the box, and now I've ended up back in a box. Back in a box. Wow. You know, it's very um, Siddhartha-like. It's a kind of a, a Buddhist experience, not that I would know, but it, just from what I know. Yeah, it's, 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 just... it's not a very princely existence <laughs> in any of that. I think Siddhartha started with, probably with more than a uh, you know eighty square foot uh, suspended room over a staircase. But yeah, oh, yeah, there's probably some parallels. Yeah, there definitely is, and there's a, there's a. Um, kind of a spiritual thing mm-hmm. really. yeah it, it really uh in, in I know a weird the, way i, I mean say it that was show, kind but... of a spiritual experience yeah. uh you know stripping away all of that stuff and compressing into essentially 10 cubic yards of space wow uh everything comes into very sharp focus and uh i th- i think some of that very sharp focus is what led to, uh, you know, what we now know as Casita. Yeah. And when was this? Your, your... That was in November of, 
when I first had the idea for Casita, it was in November of 2014, uh, which was about nine months into that experiment. Um, I left the dumpster on February 4th, 2015, and by June, I had left uh, my, my job there and, and, and launched the startup. Yeah, I love how you recall all the dates. Well, yeah, those things are, <laughs> Were you are, are personal <laughs> moments. Yeah, let's just put it that way. Yeah, but you count them so well. I know it's a theme of recollections of days as much as you're emptying out, you're actually bringing back in. Um, so how about the production of it? I mean, what are some of the early challenges of Casita? Yeah, I mean, the, the very early challenges were... Uh, for a guy that had spent his life in academia as an environmental scientist, knowing nothing about architecture, were trying to get my arms around the problems while trying to continue to remain outside the box. So, you know, I, I went to a, a patent attorney that had worked at Apple and told him this idea uh, after a friend referred me, said, you know, most of your ideas are crazy. <laughs> Guy calls me the next morning and says, look, this is one of the most compelling ideas I've ever, you know, heard. You oh, need to go out, nice. raise money, get a co-founder that's in real estate and get going. Well, I started going to all these real estate developers and telling them about this idea as housing as a product, et cetera. And, you know, they either wouldn't return my calls or they would sort of lock the door and tell me to go back to my dumpster. And so it took me quite a while. Uh, I literally kind of stumbled into a 23-year-old kid that was a real estate developer, which they don't make them that No, young. they don't make them that um, no. And uh, he said, it's on. Let's try this. Oh, wow. And this, this was what year? That was 2015. Okay, yeah, so 2014. About, yeah, May, June 2015. So after you stumbled, you said, let's go on. So now, th then when did you get to the production? Or when did you get to uh, what this word? I love this word, proof of efficacy. That, hey, you know what? This can actually work as a functioning unit. Yeah, well, it takes a while, right? <clears throat> so this whole idea that this startup was going to be uh, you know, a couple of computer science dropouts out of Stanford that go sit in a WeWork and, <laughs> you know, code something together. This is a, this is a beast, right? Yeah, uh, you know, housing and solving for housing, it's not like a solution where you're working in a square or even on a plane of squares. It's a Rubik's cube, right? And, and it is highly complex. You have to be thinking about the financing, the permitting, you know, in this case, the industrial design, designing for all these different climates, NIMBYism, right? There are all of these levels of complexity that just don't exist in most problems. And it's why we're here, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, somebody was telling me right before we went on set that she was paying over $4,000 for a thousand square foot apartment out here. It's nuts. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it's absolutely out of control. Yeah. So you're helping to, to, um, to mitigate that for sure. Um, with Casita, at least from what I've seen, and obviously you've, you've believed in it. So you've got your first production uh, units. When did you have your first unit? You know, it works, it's operable, the, everything's going. Do you yeah, remember? So very much like you would in a product, we designed this thing in SolidWorks. We didn't do it in Revit or any of the typical programs. So the same program that an iPhone or this microphone or most consumer products are designed in, we, we started with the design. Uh, we built a prototype. 
right, which you typically don't do in housing. Um, we launched that at South by Southwest in 2016. And uh, then we built a unit that could actually be lived in, the one that I live in when I'm back in Austin. Um, that was a, a, a year later. And now we are focused on uh, scaling up, right? Yeah. Uh, scaling housing. It's kind of a weird way to think about it. Yeah. Scale, so you're scaling housing in an environment. It just, just blows me away, especially when you went, you went, this was developed not from an architect or an engineer, from industrial designers. Am I, is this correct? Yeah, that's right. So the first person after the, uh, the the real estate developer was we called an industrial designer, somebody that had designed cars, <laughs> bicycles, bicycle lights, chocolate bars. <laughs> and I called him and said, hey, uh, ever designed a, a home? And he said, no, but I lived under a staircase. I was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Perfect. You knew that kinship of small, small yeah, living. Yeah. yeah. This is the Modern Architect, KZSU, 90.1 FM, Stanford. Join DJ Ramsey for Arabology, the show that takes you on a virtual flying carpet ride through the Arabian Peninsula and beyond. Arabology features interviews. Alternative and indie Arabic music, show commentary in English, and much more. Right here on KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. So, so you went with the industrial designer. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea that it's, in essence, a product. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, according to the, I, I met uh, much later with the founder of SolidWorks, uh, this program, and he said to his knowledge, uh, this was the only uh, home that had ever been designed in that program, that most, you know, uh, most most consumer products that you, you use are designed in that program. So uh, he, he put it together. Uh, we then uh, got some architects, MEP engineers, folks to sort of with, within what he had designed mm-hmm. as best as he could to code, uh, then brought it up to code and got to work. Wow. So once you've got that, the working prototype together, did you call attention to it a lot? Did you say, hey, come take a look at this. It's working. It's functioning. It's great. I've left it, slept in here. Well, everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we uh, we applied for some design awards. We we won some awards for just the sort of concept and the initial model. Um, we started inviting people to check it out to stay in it. We went and raised more money, um, and uh, we were on our way. Yeah, truth be told, it's actually, in my opinion, much nicer looking than many homes. Well, I mean, that's the the idea is to um, you know have a well designed product and space rather than a big space. So one say that of again. The, a well, like a very well designed, smaller, well thought out space rather than okay. a lot of space. And that's a core tenet of Casita is living lightly and getting um, you know more from less. Yeah. Okay. Back to that more for less. I have on the here that everything you need and nothing you don't. Can you try to describe that? I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, going back to like what you referenced earlier in Buddhist principles, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really around a state of like mindfulness. And when you're thinking about this, what is now 370 square feet, 
if you're thinking about it holistically, right, and from a user experience, not necessarily just an interior design focused specifically on the user, well, then you can compact the space while still getting a very, uh, you know, holistic and, and lar living large while being in a very small space. And so... Um, you know, we've had, I've had upwards of 28 people um, in the casita, and nobody was complaining about being cramped. 28 people. What's, what's the size of the casita? 370. 370 square yeah. feet. Okay. And 28 people were having a great in time. In the living area, not even in the kitchen or the bathroom. Having a great time. Oh, I got to go to your place. It's, you know, and, and, and so you think, yeah, that did not happen in the dumpster. We did okay. not go in. I think one time we did pack like 14 graduate students into the, uh, in, you know, people that are very close to completing their dissertation, yeah. right? Uh -huh. You know, just kind of one last time to make them cry. <laughs> Wow. So you fit everyone in there and, and, uh, and it was very comfortable. I've seen some, a lot of the videos, several of the videos that you have, and it looks like it does. Everyone's having a great time in there. So is there something also about it that lends to, makes people feel kind of, um, uh, fulfilling? I know it sounds crazy, but they're like, like fulfilled at, at that moment in time in, yeah, in the casita, I, even though it's perceptively small. Right. And so from a design perspective, perspective right we've done things that that we know psychologically makes a space feel large right tall ceilings the casitas have 10 foot uh -huh, ceilings. i get you okay um a lot of natural light that big cantilevered cube of glass on the front yeah um but also kind of clean surfaces that are well thought out and i think the reason why it feels good to people is that a lot of the noise is extracted from the environment and their life, not only, um, you know, in the space, but the stuff that fits into the space. So it's almost like I think about it uh, almost as a kind of vessel of permission for folks yes. to, ha you know, live on less. Right. Because often people won't downsize their life unless they have some significant, usually not a great you know, kind of life event. Yes, true. And, and so it's kind yeah. of a vessel of permission, right? I know I'm living and in, moving into this smaller space. Okay, now I've got a framework and an envelope to work with of what will go into that space. Yeah. And I'm going to end up with fewer things, and I'm probably going to love those few things that I have. Yeah. You said you're loving the few things that you do have. You also said that when you, you moved into the smaller space, you actually had more more money to spend. Is that true? Yeah, and okay. these were some of the things that were inspired by the dumpster. Um, you know, the w when I lived in the dumpster, my commute went from like 35 minutes to uh, three minutes. Um, my rent went from $3,000 to, well... I won't say what the rent was in the dumpster, but it was, it was there is bargain basement prices. Uh, but more spending, you know, without having a lot of, uh, you know, a big living room, right, which most people don't use all that much, you then begin to make the city your living room. Right. Okay. Um, you spend more time in coffee shops, parks. So all of these things sort of inform the foundational value of uh, this 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 living lightly. Yeah, it's idea. like a dream. It, it sounds like something you can aspire to, as much as it sounds like you usually you, you'd think. Um, 
Uh, we're often brought up here, at least here in this country, brought up to you know achieve, ex- you know uh, acquire, and this is almost not that. That's it's not that, but you're actually achieving and acquiring even more. Yeah, it's kind of a paradox, right? I mean, for sure, the whole um, uh, conspicuous consumerism trends that sort of drove us for a long time. I think the younger crowd. <laughs> And just the psychographic that also follows those millennial Gen Y types, right, that aren't necessarily in that age group. Uh, I think there's a real zeitgeist rising there around some of those values that will, uh, you know, spread into other generations as we go forward. Yeah. How, what's the response been from just the general public when they see the casita? Well, it's a lot different experience from when they have you hear measured about it or it. gauged it or uh, yeah. It, okay. I mean, when you bef- we did a kind of before and after test uh, during South by Southwest, we probably had four thousand people walk through the casita, which is interesting in itself because four thousand. If you think about your house. Oh, 4,000, that'd be like way too much. You perceive well, over, it. Yeah. over 30 years, though, you probably don't have 4,000 no, people walk no. through, yeah. right? So um, we we didn't get a sample size of, of, of 4,000, but uh, typically before people went in, they said it's probably going to be too small, right? I'll probably feel uh, like I am uh, constricted or I'll feel claustrophobic. But after they actually walked through and experienced it, we saw none of that. Um, Almost no one said that either myself and in some cases myself and a partner would have a problem living in that space. Really? Yeah, it's, like, it's it, 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 and I don't know why that is. It may be some yeah. of the undercurrents in American uh, sort of culture that you were talking about, a kind of more is more. And I certainly, I, I also want to say, like, it's not for everyone. Sometimes we get these comments of, like, you know, these guys are crazy. There's no way myself and my family of five are going to move in. And of course not, right? This yeah. this right now is targeted uh, at folks that are mostly singles and some some couples. Yeah. So you've got, um, again, back to the, the inspiration, and we're trying the best we can um, with a lot of joy of describing a, an experience, a, a physical, personal experience. How, uh, in addition to the public, what what are some people, have you come across people who actually said what you were saying? It's like, oh, this is not going to work. Uh, it's going to be too, I'd be claustrophobic. And then when they get in there, they go, oh, my goodness, I'm not. This yeah, is everything. Yeah, it's really interesting. People that don't know the size of the casita, I'll often ask, you know, that's the first thing they ask, how many square feet is it, right? Everybody wants to know that. You know, it's like, and... Uh, in some ways, I think that is become. Um, I don't. I don't know how valid uh, just a square footage. It's what's. It's what we use, and we also use price per square foot. But it really should be like price per experience. Right? Okay. Um, it's harder to quantify. It's much harder to quantify, but. Um, I, I I asked I've asked some of the you know folks from some of the biggest uh, Cushman Wakefield some of the okay. biggest uh, real estate firms in the world and they've often guessed that they were standing in 500 600 sometimes 650 square feet oh, I like when, that you when that unit is 352 352 wow now you, you, they're also when you say sta- I've read the stackable is that on top on side how 
That's right. So okay. we have several different configurations in our product roadmap, but the next one that we're really excited about so that we can get density and start solving for some problems in the cities um, is uh, to stack on top of one another. Okay. So um, we will be, we'll have our first stacked units this year at South by in March. Um, and then we are going to move forward uh, from there. Really? Do you have space that you're, you we have a space, okay. yeah. We have a piece of land. Yeah. There. Is it going to be one on top of the other? Because I noticed... That's right. Yeah, it'll be a two-by-two. Two. Okay, two-by-two. Yeah. Two. And I yeah. also saw there's uh, units that look like uh, apartments, in essence. Right. Are those... So we can combine these side-by-side, side, uh, top-to-bottom. We're working on a variety of configurations so that if you want to double, triple up the amount of space you have, that uh, you you can do that. So all of that is in the works, but it's yeah. it's very much a first things first when you're making a twenty thousand pound piece of hardware with, you know, as a venture backed company, uh, you you need to keep moving. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you, they're twenty thousand pounds, or they're three square feet, and you can take them anywhere. We talked earlier about shipping them anywhere around the world. Right. So, you know, one of the things that we spent a lot of money and time on is in the whole idea of this being a product and not a project. Very rarely do you see a real estate project um, permitted for uh, anything outside of where it's being put and why would you, right? Well, if we're making a product that, you know, theoretically should be able to go to all 50 states, well, you've got a variety of climates and you have a variety of things from hurricanes uh, that you would deal with in somewhere like Miami to uh, out here in, uh, say, on the peninsula in the Bay Area, you're dealing with earthquakes, right? Sure, so, sure. Um, uh, to my knowledge, there hasn't ever really been a, a, a home that has been built um, as a permanent structure for all of those environments. No, not that I'm not that I'm familiar with. So this may be one of the first. There. Maybe, yeah, yeah, I'm not familiar with any other. Yeah, and that's very expensive, right? We spent probably a million dollars engineering that. Just wow, just to arrive at that. So, what has been the response from civic leaders, specifically yeah, it, Austin? I mean, we. Um, We've had about 10 mayors walk through our prototype in Austin um, from cities uh, like St. Louis, uh, San Jose here in the Bay Area. Um, you know, cities... By design, did you invite them or they... Um, they were invited by the Austin mayor. Oh, yeah. Oh. So we... Um, We've seen a lot of positive response there. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about housing affordability. Uh, Please do. Because that's also a, a, a big topic that we are interested in. You know, we have kind of a Tesla model in that, you know, the first Teslas were not all that affordable. But now we see the Model 3, you know, at $35,000 yeah. starting price. And so... Through learning a lot about manufacturing and supply chain uh, efficiencies that we're, we're going to be able to get the cost down, but we're not going to solve the housing problem by doing what we've tried in the past, which is making cheaper housing. Okay. Just making cheaper housing is going to continue to uh, push the, the, the problem even further. What we need to do is solve for housing through innovation. 
And so that means rethinking space, rethinking time, rethinking technology, rethinking how we build, install, transport, code, permit, NIMBY, you know, rethinking the entire uh, equation from very much the kind of uh, innovation that we've seen in technology. Uh, well, we I just haven't tell, seen that. I can tell, Jeff, you've definitely rethought it. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on your rethinking? <laughs> well, you've got to look at a from a historical standpoint, um, when, when you look at housing, I mean, I, I could probably take my great-grandfather who lived in that log cabin back on our ranch, um, put him on a job site today and give him a hammer and uh, a tape measure, and he could probably catch up on all of the kind of technology that somebody on a site would do yeah. in, 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 a, in a number of hours. Right. Okay. From the nineteen say seventies. So that hasn't evolved much. Yeah, and I mean, okay. think about nineteen seventies. What the technology industry was doing, the auto and like anything. Think about any other industry that you haven't seen that. And this is a base Maslow need. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, really a laggard kind of industry. There are a lot of reasons for that. That are that are good reasons, but I think it's uh, come time that. Uh, we we try to take some innovative approaches, and you know, I, I have you seen I it? Have you seen it other than what you're what you're doing? Um, yeah, I think people are starting to rethink it. There's a company uh, called Katera um, that's raised a lot of money. Uh, that's run by a uh, a guy out here, Michael Marks, that uh, ran Flextronics. Okay. Uh, prior to and what they're what they're essentially doing is applying supply chain to traditional building projects right so prefabbing up walls ordering in large bulk and then shipping rather than uh, the way things are typically done project by project mm -hmm. um, there are also some tech startups that are getting venture backing that are that are trying some other models as well. But it's such a small fraction of the industry. I mean, there's you know we've got a few homes we're working on right now out of the literally hundreds of thousands of millions of homes out there. This is the Modern Architect KZSU. 90.1 FM, Stanford. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Bill Nye, the science guy here, CEO of the Planetary Society, or as I like to call it, Your Place in Space. You can hear me on your radio and online every Friday at 5.30 p.m. That's when the good folks at KZSU air Planetary Radio, the Society's weekly visit to the final frontier. That's Planetary Radio, Fridays at 5.30 on 90.1 FM, Stanford's KZSU. Join me in space. This is the Modern Architect, KZSU, 90.1 FM, Stanford. Yeah, what about in a, this may be reaching a bit, but in a, a hotel form? Yeah, I mean, uh, you you do see the, the prefab modular industry. Um, they are continuing to build hotels. I mean, they're most of the... Uh, I don't know if it's most, but a lot of the hotels these days are prefab modular, delivered to site, dropped in place with a crane. But even if you look at the prefab modular industry, it really hasn't, it hasn't evolved a lot since, um, you know, the kind of 1960s, 1970s. Yeah, um, that's true. It, it, 
it, it just hasn't changed a lot. Yeah. So taking getting the product, the housing out of the product, I'll touch back on that again. It's just terrific. So was there any product in particular that you've ever seen that you're like, yeah, that'd be neat if I can live in that? You know, kind of like a honey, we shrunk the kids type of thing <laughs> where, where you uh, envision yourself, question. look, yeah. look in the house and go, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe a... as like a, an electron crawling around yeah. on circuit boards or something. Well, I mean, there's the iconic products that we know, you know, today that a lot of architects appreciate, right? You know, whether it's Eames chairs or your iPhone or uh, I guess you have to have a uh, set of ironic glasses like <laughs> I do and an Audi if you're going to be an architect as well. Um, but all of those things have a high sort of design. And yeah. what else do they have? They're mass manufactured. Uh, they are designed around user experience. Think about the cockpit of an Audi versus how, you know, a home typically feels. Uh, they're branded, which is something very interesting. We've never really seen a global brand in housing. No. It's such a massive market. Yeah. Um, and also they're integrated pieces of hardware and software in many of those cases, right? Like cars and Audi. Uh, you know, if it's not already, is becoming a computer on wheels. And uh, we just haven't seen that kind of technology integration in the housing space, you know, outside of putting an Alexa on the counter and a, you know, Philips yeah. Hue <laughs> light bulb. And um, I wouldn't say that's really an immersive, transformative user experience. Yeah. So how are they, the, the orders for the casita homes? Are they, my understanding, 2017? You're done. You've got you a know, lot, fulfilled. a lot. Um, you know, we can shift around uh, the sort of order that stuff gets fulfilled, but we've had a very sort of positive response. What we're trying to do is scale. A sort of positive? All of <laughs> them are sold? That's pretty uh, more than the, sort of. The, the, we, we are... We are trying to scale manufacturing. It's a good problem to have, right? So now we've got to figure out how we can indeed make these like cars or like a product, right? That's the other thing with products is that you can truly yes, scale. Yeah. Okay. And so in the modular and manufactured housing industry, on one line, you're usually not going to see more than 1,000 maybe maximum 3,000, 5,000 homes made on a typical prefab, you know, manufactured housing line. Well, there's a... um there's a Nissan factory that I think is in Tennessee that makes 605,000 cars in a year. Really? Right. So you think about that difference, right? Yes. Yeah. Are you scaling to that to potentially be at that level? Who knows? We'll see. If there's demand, yes. Wow. This is The Modern Architect, KZSU, 90.1 FM, Stanford. The Stanford Blood Center serves not only Stanford Hospital and Lucille Packard Children's Hospital, but several other local hospitals as well, and they need your help to save lives. If you are in good health and between the ages of 17 and 74, the Stanford Blood Center invites you to donate. You can even make an appointment online. All blood types are needed. For more information, please visit bloodcenter.stanford.edu. That's bloodcenter.stanford.edu or call 650-723-7831. This is The Modern Architect, KZSU, 90.1 FM, Stanford. So any other models do you have 
that you're using to, uh, other than the Nissan factory, any models that you're using? To, to... Well, yeah, and I, I won't say that is exactly it, uh, but okay. it, it's representative of the sort of changes in scale. Uh, McKinsey published a study that's fairly famous uh, in the, the least manufactured home and modular industry now that shows uh, that the housing industry... Uh, relative to the manufacturing industry, the manufacturing industry has become almost two times more efficient. And I think this is since maybe only the early 90s, 1.7 times more efficient than the construction industry. Oh. Right. So there's this major gap that we're, we're just not keeping up. Yeah. Is there anything else, Jeff, that you, you'd wanted to touch on that we may not have touched in on our, you know, I think rather limited because we can talk on this for days, but mm -hmm. anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share with uh, our listeners, audience um, about Casita? Yeah, you, I think the, the, future, uh, the um, some of the challenges, some of the yeah, joys I, to look forward to. I think the, the bigger picture here is that we're trying to solve a real problem, right? I mean, affordability is out of control in all of the big markets around the world. And we're trying to think creatively about that um, and uh, from an innovative sort of perspective. Uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a probably a lot of luck. It's probably going <laughs> to take a lot of money. Uh, but uh, we're we're going for it, and we hope at um, you know one point to kind of live up to our moniker, which is you know housing the future uh, for all. Awesome, Jeff. It's been outstanding having you as our guest today. Thank you. We're truly honored, and and hope you consider coming back to us real soon. I'll be back, uh, you know, either in the, the, the dumpster behind the building <laughs> or in a casita on a truck. Awesome. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Today's guest on The Modern Architect radio show and podcast has been Jeff Wilson, Ph.D. founder and president of Casita, based in Austin, Texas. Casita's core belief is that every aspect of your living space should make your life simpler and fuller. Consequently, they've reinvented the home for the way people actually live, creating the ultimate user experience, and in essence, designing and engineering an exceptionally small home that contains everything you need and nothing you don't. For more information, visit casita.com. That's K-A-S-I-T-A dot com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California and is a production of KCSU Radio. The recording engineer and production manager is Akshay Jaggi, and assistant engineer is McGregor Joyner. We're all assisted by Bryce Carter. The executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. Thank you for tuning in this week and listening again next week at Monday, on Monday at 10 a.m. for another edition of The Modern Architect. Support for KCSU comes from Modeler.com a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com works with architects from architecture and design firms to discover, discuss, and specify products for their building projects. We at KZSU thank Modeler.com for their generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect. <laughs>